0: You are listening to Absent Minded, brought to you by HabsEyesOnThePrize.com. Eyes on the prizecom Hello, and welcome to Absent Minded. My name is Jared Book.
1: I am alongside Anton. Raskar, uh, Anton, how are you doing? I'm doing fine, thank you. It's um, interesting to speak to someone else but Patrick on the podcast.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's uh, you guys have been doing most of the work uh, lately uh, with the podcast, but uh, this time they brought in some uh, North American experts uh, for for the the World Junior Preview uh, for Canada and the United States. But before we do get to that, there was some breaking news on Wednesday morning or afternoon. I don't remember exactly what time it was. I think it was the morning. Where the Canadian signed forward Michael Frelique to a one year contract worth seven hundred and fifty thousand dollars. I don't think there's anything bad to say about this signing. I think the the risk is low, the cost is low. There there's really nothing uh nothing wrong to say about this he's not taking a spot away from uh, a younger player if anything he's allowing them to to develop more uh in the case of you know say Ryan Paling uh, or something like that but i i'm not even convinced he's going to make it into the top 12 forwards on a team uh, talking about the depth that the canadians have uh at forward but obviously with injuries and possible covid uh in- infections the more players that you have the the better it is
1: yeah definitely and i mean michael frolick is a proven commodity at this point 850 games in the league and i think that the canadians have liked what they've got from older players in the past now frolick is only 32 so he's not really that old but just if we look at what uh, a guy like kovalchuk c- could do last year and nate thompson obviously the l- the year before just as a leading guy on the team that is all right with not playing the most minutes per night but just you know as a veteran presence and everything i think this is a great uh, a great low risk uh, potentially medium-sized reward uh <laughs> for the canadians and just having like if indeed Jake Evans or for that matter Ryan Palin goes in and takes the fourth line center spot they will have a guy who um who can mentor them in that situation if, if Role ends up being the thirteenth forward I think that uh, both the Canadians and him like will be all right with that
0: yeah and the the the, the key to this for me and I touched upon it I, I've written. You know, a, a bunch of articles in the last few days just about the Canadians' uh, situations and and death and things like that. The, the way I look at it is that if you look go back to the playoffs, when, when Brendan Gallagher was out for Game 6 against the Flyers, the, what the Canadians did is that they had to put Yoel Armia on that top line, and then they had to move, I believe it was either Charles Houdon or Alex Belzil up to the 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 third or fourth line where where Armia was, and what what this does, uh, along with the the signing of Tyler Toffoli, along with the acquisition of, of Josh Anderson, is that let's say Gallagher goes goes down again, now you have Anderson or Toffoli or Armia to step up into that spot. You have Anderson or Toffoli in the second or third line or wh- whatever order you want to put them in, and then you have somebody like a Michael Froelich who can step in. Um, or, you know, if if someone on the left side goes down, you have Paul Byron, By- Byron moves up, and then you put Froelich there as well um, because he does play his off-wing as well. And, mm-hmm. and what this does is that he's not there to replace a Jonathan Jouin. He's not there to replace a Brendan Gallagher. But he's there to replace, you know, should uh, an injury happen or anything like that, in your bottom six, and I think that he's perfect for that. Um, I also think that this sets up a, a Jordan Wheel trade because, mm. because I, I think that he fills in uh, a similar role to what Wheel would have. He doesn't play center, but you know, for all intents and purposes... He can uh, play center. He can probably. play center, exactly. Yeah. So yeah. Um, I, I think for all intents and purposes, what this does is basically gives you a 13 forward swing guy, depth guy, but at half the cost, pretty much. <laughs> and Definitely. even if you send Wheel down to the taxi squad, he does have a cap hit about three hundred and twenty five thousand dollars. And what this does is is that, you know, you even if you do that, um that that cap hit plus for is less than wheel's salary anyway. And then on top of that, if you trade Wheel uh, or lose him on waivers or anything, you, you don't have to automatically go to a guy like Alex Belzil or Lucas Vedamo or uh, I was going to say Charles Houdon, but not Charles Houdon. Um, mm. Who am I thinking of? Ryan Paling. Um, mm. Where, you know, you don't, don't have to go to one of those guys right away. At the first injury, you're not looking at those guys necessarily. It provides you with a little bit more options than if you just, you know, lost Wheel without replacing him with a guy like Frolik.
1: Yeah, and that's, you know, if you compare Jordan Wheel and Michael Frolik as players... I mean for leak is um, I mean he has considerable experience throughout his career I mean 850 games in the National Hockey League is impressive uh, he has the pedigree of being a former first round pick which I didn't know before we recorded this podcast but but it's just if you compare him to Jordan wheel Jordan wheel is more that swing guy who can maybe come in and help out a little bit in the bottom six but for has played all over the lineup and he's just you can you can basically plug and play him anywhere and he will do a decent job he won't be fantastic but but he'll do a decent job and Wheel is kind of more he's more up and down. You don't really know what you're gonna get in like he can go on hot streaks that we saw when he was first acquired from Arizona. Mm-hmm. Where he had like, you know, 10 points in 13 games or something uh, during the end of that season and was impressive. And, uh, you know, Brendan Gallagher was saying about his former teammate that, oh, this is who Jordan Wheel is. You know, he's always had uh, huge amounts of talent. Now it's just putting it together finally. And then it kind of didn't pan out last year. Um, And... We Yeah, we don't really know what Jordan Wheel would be if he would, in fact, have to play, you know, a larger role due to injuries and everything. But with Froelich, it just feels like, you know, it just feels like um, someone you can rely on in any situation. And I know that, well, Claude Julien loves those players that he can just, you know, plug in anywhere and they will do a decent job.
0: Yeah, you know, he kind of strikes me as like a lower-grade Byron Armia type, right? So if you move those guys up, then you have basically a replacement set in. You know, you're not going to expect for to necessarily play on your, your top six uh, mm. if an injury happens. Uh, but he could fill in on, on the second power play like we've seen Wheel do as well. Um, probably not this year with the depth that they have it forward, but you never know. Um, you know, should the wrong guys get injured, but you know, a, a lot of talk is, is about him as like a 13 forward and things like that, but he's only two, like one season removed from a 16 goal a year with the Flames, and obviously, you know, his ice time got changed. He got uh, traded to Buffalo um, at the trade deadline, I believe. And, and mm-hmm. But, you know, even at the World Championships, he played for the Czech Republic, and he had seven goals, seven assists in, in ten games. Yeah. Um, that, that's not, you know, there is something there that has the potential to be unlocked, and, and I think that there is a potential that where he can fill in on a, on a third line or even, even make the team on merit, and then maybe you're trading a guy like Byron or Armia. Um, yeah. when, when another team needs somebody. You know, I think it just, it provides flexibility. Whereas before the Canadians had like a solid, you know, 12, 13 forwards, pretty much. But then if somebody gets hurt, there was no ready-made replacement. And, and, I, and I think that what Froelich does, is it, it provides Mark Bergevin with a little bit more flexibility, where if he wants mm-hmm. to trade, you know, Armia, who's uh, an understated free agent at the end of the year, uh, Paul Byron, who has a few years left on uh, a cap hit that's a little bit high for the role that he's expected to play. You know, I'm not saying that he, he, he should do that, but if Frolic does perform, um, it, it gives you that option. And, you know, it's just, I just feel like Mark Bridgerman is giving him himself options, you know, and, and yep. there's no, there's no bad result here.
1: Uh, in no. My opinion. And I, I think you're bringing up a great point as well, comparing him to guys like Armia and Byron, because how were they acquired? Byron was acquired on waivers, right, from Calgary. And Armia was acquired basically as a throw in for the Canadians to take on Steve Mason's contract and then dump him. So from Winnipeg, and and it just tells you something about this is what Mark Bergevin does best. Now we've all... We've obviously been impressed with the off-season he's had, and you know we think that the Canadians are a stronger team than they were back in August, but. You know, buying on the cheap is something Bergevin has done well for years. That's why we have guys like Phil Deneau on the team now, uh, a guy like Jeff Petrie. And that those small moves uh, with, like, you know, not giving up much assets. Like here, basically, Froelich gets a minimum wage contract to prove himself, prove that he still has a future in the league. He's not, as I said, he's not that old. He's only 32. He turns 33 in in uh, February so he could really have a bounce back year if he was indeed you know set in a in a good situation we don't know but it just it provides the canadians as you say with more options and the ability to just you know not having to throw in guys who may not be ready to play a you know bigger role it it just yeah it, it there there is something to be said for having that 13 14 forwards who can compete every night and just provide yeah provide more depth and stability for Claude Julien's team
0: yeah, exactly. And, you know, you know you're know, you basically one, you know, one outbreak away from losing, you know, two or three forwards, right? You know, and if that happens, what are you going to do? You're going to, you know, suddenly that, that depth that the Canadians had ends up being like, you know, uh, an AHL line, right? So uh, I think that, you know, there's, there's different options. There's different, obviously, there's so many different aspects going into this season. It's already a weird season. Having as many options as you can, is never a bad thing. Who knows? Maybe somebody uh, in the Canadians' training camp is already nursing an injury that that mm. hasn't been released. When when you know camp is what about a week away or so, uh, a little little over a week. You know who knows? You know we, we don't know. You know you hear injuries being announced by certain teams now about surgeries and uh, players retiring due to injuries. I'm not saying that's what's going to happen, but who knows? You know there's there's so many things up in the air. You know you don't want to rely on this is such an important year for the Canadians that you want to have as, you want to leave as much chance out of it and put the odds, you know, in your favor. Um, and, and I think that that's what this, this Lake move does. Um, and it gives us something to talk about besides, you know, 18 year old kids, which, no, which yeah, uh, just- you know, it's funny because it, if Cole Caulfield didn't have, and this is my transition, if Cole Caulfield didn't have that second period that he did, um, on, on Tuesday night, uh, Canadians fans would be, um, probably a little bit more worried, um, than, than they would have been otherwise. But, uh, he did have that two goal, uh, yeah, second period, pro- almost a three goal second period, really. Yeah, uh, yeah. and he, I, I like the, the transition from, uh, people who are, you know, saying, "Oh, you know, Caulfield is not performing. What's he doing? What he's he started on? He was listed on the fourth line, but let's be real that that was never going to be the you know. It's a pre-tournament game. There's players you want to look at if you're the American head coach more than Cole Caulfield. You know what Caulfield brings to you. You don't need to have a look at him in a pre-tournament game. And and then in that second period, two goals in one shift, and, and that's going to be the thing to watch for the Americans because I, I do think that he is likely going to be. Um, what, what makes the American chances? And there's other very good players on that American team. Uh, yeah. Trevor Zegers is, is outstanding. He had a couple of great passes, uh, to Caulfield, uh, on, on Tuesday night. He had a great tournament last year. Uh, Alex Turcott is, is a great prospect. Uh, Arthur Kaliev had a goal in that game mm-hmm. as well. He's basically, uh, very similar to Caulfield in that, you know, he is, his calling card is his shot. It's a very talented American team, uh, but I think that Cole Caulfield has the potential to be the star of that team, and it was a great showing for him, and obviously, from a Canadian's perspective, encouraging as well.
1: Yeah, definitely. I mean, we we all read uh David's article, David San Luis' article about how Caulfield kind of has to take on a bigger role than he actually should in in Wisconsin uh where he basically has to carry the offense in every way and that brings him kind of away from what he does best. I mean, we know that he has as pure of a sniper as you can get. Then he has other aspects to his game as well, obviously. But, I mean, if you take away his shots, I mean, a, a large portion of his game goes away, obviously. And, I mean, with guys like... I mean, no matter if he ends up on a line with uh, Zegras or with Turcotte, his former teammate on, on the Badgers, or with Matty Beniers, his uh, 2021 draft prospect, it will still be interesting because, I mean, they all have great playmaking qualities. And I expect Cole Caulfield to get... Uh, a, big amount of power play time as well because he's such a threat and and from a Canadian's perspective it's just great to see that well i mean he still has over a point per game in, in a, on a bad Wisconsin team so I, it's not that he hasn't played well but it's just it's just nice to see that it just feels now that he still has all the aspects to his game that he has shown us in the past it's just that now he has now he's grinding grinding out the year in in uh the ncaa and he's adding other aspects to it as well but here he can just like let his back go free and he can just do what he does best
0: yeah and, and you know he, who knows how many games he'll have left at wisconsin you know g- yeah. given given the 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 situation there they had to postpone some games before the the christmas break who knows what's going to happen afterwards it, it's it's not out of the question um and, and i'm not you know, reporting this or anything like that, but it's not out of the question that, you know, he, when, when the AHL season starts that Cole Caulfield could be in, in Laval. Um, mm-hmm. you know, I'm not saying that is likely, but you know, if, if the NCAA has to stop or, or postpone, and obviously it's up in the air at this point, um, who knows and the AHL might not start in February either we, we there's really you know you want him to play um that's the key thing so um you know leaving options open but at the same time that this is really a, a chance for him to show himself because let's face it he's going to be playing with players who are going to be in the NHL um you know Ziegler is probably going to make the team in Anaheim this year um you know, he, as well Yeah, L- Tur- could could definitely make the team in LA if, if worst mm. case he's going to the AHL he's playing yeah. pro this year uh, and then you know you have guys like uh, on on other teams Kirby Doc. Where, you know if he goes up against Canada, uh, Marco Rossi is going to play in the NHL this year, um, yeah. all, all, pretty pretty likely. You know, should
1: slip possibly. Yeah,
0: yeah, exactly. There, there's so many guys who are, you know, th- this is a, a more talented tournament than, than usual. And it's not quite lockout level. Um, you know, if, if there was no NHL season coming, obviously you would have Nick Robertson there. You would have Alexi Lafreniere there. Um, yeah. you would have a, you know, a few more prospects there that are, are not currently there. Uh, but at the same time, it, it, there, is, there are players who are definitely going to be in the NHL and it gives the Canadians a kind of good look at, what Caulfield can do with these players against these players. Um, And, and what, what stuck out for me and, and um, Justin, you know, mentioned it in, in Slack uh, during the game is that the goals that Caulfield scored are NHL goals, right? Those aren't goals that are going to just go in on, on junior goalies. Those, you know, that shot was perfectly placed over the shoulder uh, one timer. uh, And then the backhand was just, you know, out of this world. Hmm. And, and, and I think that that's, something that you want to see as well is because and he's I think he's even said it himself is that he goes back and looks at his goals and like okay that won't work in the NHL and and I think that's such a an, an interesting aspect to his game and uh it's 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 really it's kind of next level right and and smaller players in the NHL they have to have something extra in their game, it's not just enough to be skilled. It's not enough to be fast. It's not enough to just be, you know. There, you have to have something extra. And you look at Brendan Gallagher. Gallagher has that tenacity, right? That it's not yeah. just his goal scoring. He has that tenacity, and I think that in in Caulfield's case, he he has all the other aspects, but he has a, a hockey sense and, and a, yeah, a intelligence. That is just next level. I'm not even talking about where to be on the ice to find holes because he does that very well. But he knows what he needs to do to improve. And I think that's an underrated aspect of any prospect. But especially somebody who is, you know, who has who is undersized. Uh it, it's something that that is very intriguing. And I'm sure, you know, that American team has a bunch of players who are taking up ahead of him. You know, in the draft, you look at Zegres and Turcotte and Cam York, um, Spencer Knight was taken in front of him as well. Mm-hmm. A- and I'm not saying that he's necessarily a better prospect than them, necessarily, uh, or that one tournament makes that, you know, <laughs> makes that declaration. But I think we're, we're able to see aspects of what makes him a top prospect and not just um a, a short player who
1: is trying to make the NHL. I think it also helps a lot with, like, if you look at his future, because everything we want from Caulfield is obviously that is going to be an impact on the NHL level. So everything like nitpicking his game and everything now, it all comes down to like everyone wanting him to succeed for the Canadiens' future. Um, I think that it's become, you know, an interesting story since he was drafted, since draft day, obviously, because everyone was kind of... um, set on the fact that he was going to go in the top 10, right? He was one of the most talented t- players on that team. Everyone knew that Jack Hughes was going to be a top two pick. Um, and then it was basically up in the air. It was like most people s- said that Alex Churcott would go number three. He went number five. Everyone said that Trevor Zagras had a hockey IQ and playmaking sense out of this world. So he would probably go there as well. But when guys like you know Spencer Knight and Cam York and everyone started going ahead of him, uh, like like when Caulfield fell all the way to 15, I think that for a guy who scored 72 goals in his last season with the national team development program, I think that, you know, that was kind of exactly what he needed for his future development. And then as well, you know, When he didn't get signed at the end of the first year of the NCAA, when guys like Zegres and and Turcotte and obviously Jack Hughes was already in the NHL, all these guys started getting signed and he wasn't. And I think that just creates more and more will from his side. I mean, he's been counted out a countless number of times already just because he happens to be 5'6", 5'7" and those guys you know they don't make the league if they're not you know fantastic skaters and uh, you know the whole narrative has been that about caulfield and i think that that helps you know him for the future because he's always going to want to prove himself against his fellow draftees against his fellow teammates and just showing that he's in fact you know he's just as good without jack Hughes as with him like he is such a great talent and i think it's just going to continue that way and i hope that for, for like for this tournament as well
0: yeah, you, know, you look at, I, I, I went back to look at the the draft rankings from 2019, uh, and it, it's funny because you look at the difference between Jack Hughes and Cole Caulfield, you have three inches and eight pounds. Yeah. Is the difference between Jack Hughes and Cole Caulfield. Yeah. If you reverse their sizes, there's no question that Cole Caulfield would be the first overall pick. Or at yes. least or at least top two. I mean Kabukako is is um kind of has the same kind of he obviously he's a bigger body, um Jack Hughes plays center. You know, I'm not necessarily saying that, you know, but but he definitely goes but top t- five. Top yeah, yeah, no, t- exactly. top five minimum. Um and and you know, the Canadians get him at fifteenth. Um, you know, there was Peyton Krebs as well who um fell in the draft uh, because of injury. Because yeah, of injury. A kill- a killers, he, yeah, yeah ex- exactly. Uh, right before the draft so teams didn't really have a chance to trust their their information and that kind of scared them but you know it's it's funny that you know you look at a guy like him versus a guy like Matthew Boldy right Matthew Boldy went 12th overall he's on the American team as well you know he he might play center he might play wing but you know he's a body who's 6'2 192 uh, at the draft last year so you know Mm -hmm. it's you know, I don't think there's anybody who's going to st- stand out and say that Cole Caulfield is not as good as, as Matthew Bolte um, in terms of, of what he can bring to the NHL level. So no, but I think I think that everyone knows
1: what Bolte will bring. Like, yeah. I mean, he, like at the worst, he will be like you know a, a middle six you know mm-hmm. winger. But yeah. Caulfield has the potential of being more boom or bust because we haven't seen that many guys five six five seven succeed yeah. in the league except for the obvious comparison to Alex Dabrinkat.
0: Yeah, My commentary as well. Is another one. Um, you know, when you talk about little guys who, um, who scored a lot of goals, Mike Camilleri, I think, is someone that sticks out as well. And, and I, I I see similarities there as well. Um, and, you know, Mike Camilleri came on the scene. Obviously, he wasn't a first round pick, but that was a different world back then when he was drafted. But, you know, Mm. my, my first impression of Mike Camilleri was at the World Juniors. Mm. And, and Caulfield last year didn't have a very good World Juniors. And I think this year, um, He's going to play a much bigger role on this American team than he would have, um, he, what he did a year ago. But it's, this American team is very, very interesting. And the, the funny thing is, is that Caulfield is one of five players, six players who are drafted in the first 15, um, of the NHL draft last year. Yeah. And, and and that's without Jack Hughes on the team, who is eligible and could be in the mm-hmm. tournament. So it, it's it's remarkable that, and I think after a disappointing tournament last year for the Americans, this is the one where if they don't do well, there's something wrong because this is their generational team, right? This is the 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 U eighteen team, team that was that you know dominated uh, opponents that had you know an unprecedented number of draft picks in, in the first round in, in the, in the draft. And now this is kind of their opportunity to, to see what they can do. And if they can't do it, then that's where the questions start coming in. Why couldn't this American team uh, do better? And I think that there's a lot of pressure on them because of that.
1: Oh, definitely. Yeah. Uh this is the golden generation. We saw it in the draft, as you said, last year in in 2019. And and we also saw this year. Like obviously Jake Sanderson was drafted fifth overall. Um and uh but otherwise there was really there was really nothing going for the US N T D P um of, you know, the generation that, that supposedly are gonna lead them next year. So yeah, uh this is, you know, the, this is the year for, for the American team if they want to succeed and win a world juniors.
0: Yeah, you know, just just to, like Alex Turcott, Trevor Zegras, Caulfield, Boldy, York, Knight, John Beecher isn't on the team he would have been. Um, yeah. Drew Hallison was drafted last year; he's on the team. Henry Thrun, Ryan Johnson
1: is a first round pick. Yeah,
0: right, uh, from twenty. Yeah. Uh, yeah, twenty was it twenty nineteen nine. Yeah, 2019, yeah. Thir- yeah. 31st overall. Yeah. Um, and then um, Fen is on the team. He was drafted from the UAT team a year ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, this is, there's a bunch of guys on this team that mm-hmm. were on that UAT program that were drafted in 2019. And, and it's just one of those things where um, this is their chance, right? Yeah, um, yeah. And it's kind of unfortunate that guys like Thomas Bordelo. Uh, and and Beecher aren't there because we're not going to see this team at, at their best you know uh, what they what could have been with this with this this year but um, they're not the only country that has has to deal with that obviously but um, yeah. <laughs> I, I and I don't think that necessarily um, Beecher is going to make or break this U.S. team either uh, the, you know but you know you look at you know those are just the guys who were drafted from the U18 team you, like mm-hmm. you mentioned there's Johnson who was drafted um otherwise Kaliev was drafted otherwise from from this team it's it's really a and no Nick Robertson either who was drafted in 2019 from this team so it, it's yeah. you know i and they're in a group that they can they can easily win you know, mm-hmm. I, I think that... But if you look at Sweden, Sweden's obviously dealing with a lot of issues. Um, They're not 100%. They're not even with their coaching staff. No, exactly. They, they, they don't have a coach. <laughs> yeah. Um. You know, so, so they're, you know, they're a little bit weaker than they would be. Um. And then Russia is, you know, always a threat. Uh. And it's probably going to come down to that game Um. like it usually does. You know, the Sweden game as well, obviously, is important. But, you know, there could be what's interesting to me is that a lot of these americans have not been playing right and um you know finland and and the players in europe have, have had a little bit more few few more games uh under their belt maybe not as a team together but in terms of just playing um that's something where the north american teams are maybe a little bit behind the others and with only one pre-tournament game it, it, it does open up the the round robin might not matter as much as it usually does you're, I, I think the playoff round is going to have a lot more upsets than usual, just because you know you're going to have teams that are peaking at different times, um, or maybe not even getting to their peak in what is such a, a weird tournament. Um, you know, in in everything that's going on. But yeah, that New Year's Eve game between Sweden and USA um, is going to be important, and you know Sweden finishes with Russia and USA back to back games. Um, yeah. that that's probably what's gonna decide the group one way or the other. Um either Sweden runs the table or um you know one of those other teams is, is gonna win and the Americans are, are probably one of the more balanced teams in, in the tournament. When when you look at and and the funny thing is, is that if you ask people like like David, you know, they left talent at home.
1: Uh yeah, because and, they wanted to bring Tyler Kleven. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah,
0: yeah. I mean, (laughs) (laughs) nothing to take away from him, but yeah, there's obviously options that are um, that would have been better um, on on that team. You know, from a Canadian perspective, Jaden Struble obviously was was on the short list that wasn't taken, but you know, there there are players who probably would have been better. Um, But yeah, Thomas Bordelo, I I really like him as a player. I would have liked to see him on this stage. Uh, and yeah, you, it...
1: you wrote the draft prospect article about Bordalo, didn't you? No,
0: I didn't. Uh, it was you... Justin actually okay. who wrote it. But, but right. I, yeah. um, I like Bordalo because um, he trains with the uh, PWHPA, uh, ah, because yeah. and, and, and Team Canada uh, because he uh, his dad is the skills coach for them. Oh right, um, yeah. Sebastian, the former Canadian as well. But yeah, it, it's funny because he, um, you, you see all these the players who. Practice with me. He scored a of shootout goal, um, I believe, uh, an overtime goal with Michigan mm-hmm. um, earlier this year, and um, all the players on on the women's team were, were uh, talking about how uh, they had seen that before. So yeah, mm-hmm. I, I, I think that he's going to be a, a solid player, and obviously the team is worse off without him, especially in that bottom six. But yeah, I, I think that the um, the Americans should avenge their disappointing quarterfinal exit last year uh, to Finland. And if they do lose in the quarterfinals again, I doubt it will be a one nothing game this time.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I think that the pro, like the only question I have about the American roster is basically the defense. I mean, I I like Jake Sanderson is basically uh, um Caden Gooley from America. What I <laughs> like, I, I feel like he has everything to a certain extent. I, I I'm for I'm certain that he will be a top four NHL defenseman one day. So I understand why Ottawa took him because it's a safe pick, right? Um, the question is just he he obviously has the most pedigree of the nine defenders that um that america brings and i'm just wondering is he ready I, he's everyone talks about his leadership and everything so it will be interesting to see if he can take on that leading role because yeah. like yeah we have cam york we have guys like you know uh, ryan johnson who was drafted in the first round last year but brock faber um, jackson lacombe hunter skinner henry throne um, drew Hellison, and uh, i mean it's it's not as strong as maybe if you look at the Canadian roster, um, yeah. which we will get to in a second. And it's just, you know, if you look at the star power they have up front and they have Spencer Knight in goal, it really comes down to it. Can the defense, you know, stick with the really great offenses of the yeah. tournament?
0: Yeah. yeah, Sanderson looked great, I found, um, on Tuesday. he made a, he made a He made a great pass to Caulfield that set up the second goal, I believe. Uh, that Caulfield scored. But yeah, Sanderson's definitely good. I just don't know if he's uh, lead the team uh, on defense good. Um, yeah. but, but, you know, the, the, the good thing about the Americans is that they have Spencer Knight and they have talent that could outscore you. So yeah. um, even if Knight does allow three four goals, they have the talent that can get five. So, you know, it, it's, it, it's going to be interesting to see how it works out. Typically, the World Juniors do have these crazy high-scoring games, lots of defensive mistakes. So maybe betting on your skill is is the right move. But, yeah, it's going to be a dogfight in that group between Russia, uh, Sweden, and the United States. And whoever finishes second in the uh, other group is going to have a tough quarterfinal matchup, regardless of what happens. Um, For sure. yeah. Because whoever finishes third in that group is going to be a, a tough out. Uh, and it, it would be similar to last year when, when USA played Finland in the quarterfinal mm-hmm. It is going to be a similar, and it's going to happen every time. Whenever you have five, um, really good, te- uh, teams, it's going to mm-hmm. happen. What one yep. of those teams is going to have a good third place team and a team that's in second in the other group is going to have to face them. Um, mm-hmm. and there, there obviously could see be surprises. I'm not, you know, saying that that's, it's one of those five or, or bust, but it's, you know, the, the betting money is on that. It's not on Germany or Switzerland or Austria, or even the it Czechs. Definitely uh, not <laughs> <laughs> the Czechs could surprise as well. But yeah, I, I think that that's probably going to be the the answer. But like I said, there's so little to go on on in this yeah. tournament. I, I would, I am not, I would not bet any money on this tournament uh, just because it's so uh, up in the air. Except maybe, uh, and this is a a good segue. I wasn't planning on this segue when I started that sentence, but uh, except for maybe Canada, because. If you look at every team in this tournament, the Team Canada does look the strongest. And, and you know, it, it's funny when you look at their extra, even their extra forwards, because they can easily be top six on most other teams in this tournament. Yep. Uh, <laughs> and it, it, it's really remarkable that this team is still missing Alexi Lafreniere because yep. if they had him, it would be even more
1: ridiculous. Yeah, this is Canada's tournament to lose kind of. I I mean it's just there is something for every situation yeah. here. They they will have four stacked lines on offense. I mean the only question is basically who will be the goaltender. Uh yeah. but otherwise otherwise they have like they have a stacked blue line, they have a stacked offense, they have you know, they have experience that none of the other teams can match. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, it's yep. it it's funny because you have a guy like Dawson Mercer who made yep. the team last year. A team that won gold, and he's yep. still the extra forward on the Shears team,
1: <laughs> and he's a first round pick. I mean, yeah, I mean, he's exactly, a, yeah.
0: exactly. It's 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 remarkable where you know the talent that this team has. You know, to, in the game uh, that's happening on Wednesday, uh, Philip Tomasino was the extra body, and he's not even playing uh, as they get a look at other other players. And so you know that's just crazy. <laughs> you know, Quinton Byfield was listed as the fourth line center. for for a lot of this I think what's it Byfield Perfetti and uh, somebody else I forget who it was. Tomasino, I think it was um, was listed as Canada's fourth line which is ridiculous absolutely ridiculous uh, in terms of their depth and it's going to be interesting to see you know obviously goaltending matters at this tournament um, but much like the the Americans Canada could outscore you and they could probably out defend you as well Uh, but I'm I'm really impressed by what I've seen by Devin Levi um, so far. You know, he's he's kind of a guy who's gone through a weird path. You know, he played his... He's born in Montreal. He played his junior hockey in Ontario. And then it went to the NCAA where he hasn't played yet. And that's a weird path for a Canadian goaltender to take. Um, You know, I honestly can't think of another Canadian goaltender to go that route. Normally they do go through, you know, the OHL and... um, or, you know, the, the CHL, anyway. Uh, obviously, Levi would have gone to the, to the uh, Quebec League, being from, from Montreal. And it's just a weird, weird path. You don't usually often see um, that. And, you know, this is a team that won last year's tournament with an undrafted goalie as well. Um, mm. You know, so it's it's one of those things where... Actually, no, they, they, went, they, they started with an undrafted goalie in Nico Dawes, but I think yeah. uh, Hofer took over the role. And he was drafted. Yeah, so yeah. Um, yeah, so but you know he wasn't a first round pick. This isn't like um, previous years when they had um, top goaltending prospects, and, and that's been an issue for Canada. You know, e- even in the NHL level, coming yeah. up with with uh, you know a third or fourth goalie is not easy, or as easy as it used to be. Um, and you know when you look back at say um, you know the ninety late nineties, early two thousands. Uh, it was really easy to pick three goalies, and then you had a lot more left over. And now you know it's, you know, Carey Price, Connor Hellebuck, and
1: you know maybe Mike Smith,
0: Mike Smith, <laughs> Mike Smith. <laughs> Braden, Braden, <laughs> yeah, Braden Holtby. Like it, it's just weird to find you know marc Andre Fleury. It, it's hard yeah. to find that third goalie. Um, and and I think that's something that's you know when they haven't had they haven't had to worry about it yet because Carey Price is still you know, the, the Canadian starter, but, you know, who knows what's going to happen at the next Olympics or World Cup. But, yeah, it's something to look at. But, no, I, I don't think it's going to hurt them in this tournament um, because even when you look at Levi or they go with uh, Dylan Garander or Taylor Gauthier, you know, I, I I don't want to say it doesn't matter, but really it might not matter um, because this team is so good. You know, you talk about a, a first pairing of Byram and Drysdale, uh, yeah. Then you have, you know, Harley uh, and uh, Schneider as, as kind of the, the other pair. And, you know, Bob McKenzie saying on, on Wednesday that the shutdown pairing might be uh, Keen Gooley and, and Justin Barron. And and it, it's a testament to, to the depth of this Canadian team that we've gone about 10 minutes and we haven't even mentioned the Canadians prospect on it.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, I actually counted now, I actually looked at like the 14 forwards in this group, and none of them was drafted outside of the first round. So all of the 14 are first round draft and, and they that cut, cut first round
0: picks. They cut first round picks too. Uh, yeah. Maverick boric was cut, La- Hendricks Lapierre was cut.
1: Um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, this is basically, I mean, it's the 2001 generation with only Cole Perfetti and Quinton Byfield, uh, maybe a few others from this generation, Conor Zari and, and a few others, but, and Dawson Mercer, but, but still, yeah, it's, it's just, yeah, it's just insane. And then when you add in, as you said, like, uh, you know, guys like Boehm Byram and Jamie were drafted in the top 10, at least, Drysdale was drafted sixth, right? I think. And and yeah. then Kaden Gooley, Thomas Harley, uh Braden Schneider, all of those are first round picks as well. Justin Barron went in the first round as well, right? Colorado.
0: Yeah, yeah, he I was in the so. first round pick. There was questions about yeah. his his health, but yeah, he went in the first round in the end. Uh Yeah, it was a, well.
1: something about blood clots, right?
0: Yeah. Yeah, he yeah. he, he uh, missed a lot of time. Uh but yeah, it's it's um it's definitely going to be interesting to watch and it's funny, you know, you mentioned, you know, the the guys and uh, you know that that the Canadians didn't pick, um, yeah. and you know we mentioned Bork, we mentioned Lapierre, um, Mercer, you know was uh, was an option as well for the Canadians when they were. we're-
1: we're going to have the same narrative for the Caden pick that we did with Cole Caulfield. He's all, Cole Caulfield is all, always going to be compared to guys like Cam York, Thomas Harley, who yeah. who everyone thought the Canadians would end up picking at 15. Yeah. And now everyone was kind of saying like, oh, well, this is the year of a forward. <laughs> so we're going to pick like Ma- Maverick Bork or, uh, you know, Dawson Mercer or someone, Connor Zari even. Uh, and yeah, they went defense. So you can never count on Trevor Timmons and Mark Bergman, the bicep club to, to do what you expect them to do.
0: Yeah, but I, I'm really intrigued to see Caden Um yeah. because I think that he has you know you you hear the the you know defense first defenseman and your your heart kind of sinks a little bit, but they don't usually skate as well as Cooley does, um, and and the thing that the role that he's being asked to play despite being one of the you mentioned before one of the three 2002 born players on this team, you know it's it's basically him Perfetti and Byfield. Um, are, are the the 2002 born players on this team, and it's it's kind of remarkable that a he's being you know it's harder for defensemen to make this team. You look at a guy like Thomas Harley who got cut last year from this team. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's not something that you see very often, uh, and I and for let's face it, for a lot of Montreal Canadiens fans, this is going to be the first time they're going to see him play, um, and. That's a big, a big ask, and it's funny because I remember um, back in two thousand nine, I was at the World Juniors in Ottawa, and Ryan McDonough was playing for for the Canadians uh, in Ottawa. I'm uh, Sorry, pl- playing for the Americans in Ottawa, but his first at that point he was still a Canadians prospect, and that was, it was before
1: it was traded to Scott Gomez. right? Yes,
0: it was before that trade. Yes, <laughs> um, which I I still think was is was not as bad as many people think, uh, but All that's right. for another episode. Um, yep. But uh, yeah, it's, what 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 it does is it brings out the spotlight for you, right? And that yep. was also PK Subban's um, big spotlight tournament as well. So, you know, as much as you don't want to read too much into this tournament in terms of an overall evaluation perspective, this is where most fans see these players, for the yeah. first time on the biggest stage. You know, you look at Paling and, and Romanov in the past, um, Nick Suzuki, obviously, in the past as well, the, Carey Price, you know, the, you could go up and down the list, Brendan Gallagher. This is where, for the most part, people see these prospects for the first time, and it's it's very hard to come back from a bad impression. <laughs> and and I think that that creates a lot of the narrative. If Caden Gooley has a great tournament this year, um, and, and Dawson Mercer you know, doesn't crack into the top 12 for for Team Canada or doesn't have a good tournament, um, that'll shift a lot of the people who are not happy with the pick. Um, Just like it would have in reverse, right? If Hendrix Lapierre makes the team and Keating Gouley doesn't, um, you know, that that shifts the narrative as well. Or or if Braden Schneider made the team and Gouley didn't, you know, as an example. So Mm. it's you don't want to read too much into this tournament, but it, it is a big deal because it's the first time that a lot of people are seeing these players. And that's what made, you know, Caulfield didn't have really much negativity until he had his bad tournament, right? And then Canadian friends like, ooh, is he able to score at this level? Is he going to be able to score at the next level? Is he just a really good under-18 player? And, yeah. I, and I think that, you know, as much as we, we like to look at the overall picture, um, a lot of the narrative is, is not on this. <laughs> it, it's focused on the World Juniors, for better or for worse.
1: Yeah, I think that is interesting as well that you're mentioning that because uh, when we look forward to like the 2021 NHL draft, like normally this is the first time that you get to see a lot of the top prospects. Like last year, Alexis Lafreniere went into the team and dominated, became an MVP kind of player and just cemented his position as the first overall pick. Yeah. And Quinton Byfield had a more quiet tournament, so mm-hmm. it was obvious that he wasn't going to challenge for the first overall pick. Yeah. The question was more like, could Tim Stützle do it? Because he played very well for the <laughs> yeah germans yeah this year there really isn't uh, there really aren't that many uh, like 2021 caliber like top caliber players who are actually playing yeah. um, the americans have matthew bennears on their roster but mm-hmm. as we say the canadian team is so strong that they don't <laughs> have the reason to bring anyone from the next draft class which is supposedly sup- gonna be a bit weaker than this yeah. year's draft so, yeah, we're going to get to see a lot of the players who are already drafted, um, but there won't be this possibility of, like, falling in love with, like, new players in the same way that you normally have during yeah. the World Junior Championships. And that, you know, it, it kind of it, it kind of makes me a bit sad, but at the same time, it just means that the guys who are there are already quite developed. They are, yeah. like, most of the guys are 19, and they, you know, it, it's... Yeah, it will be. It will be fascinating to just see uh, these guys. Many of them you will see for the last time in this kind of a tournament, and then it's all, all NHL for them. So, yeah, looking at the Americans and the and the Canadian team, it would just be fascinating and and fantastic to see them both face off in a final. Um, it would be uh, it would be great fun, really.
0: <laughs> yeah, you know, it, it's funny because you know, f- from a Canadian perspective, you know, this tournament is is so front and center. Uh, and, you know, the the New Year's Eve game that Canada plays is always either against Russia or Finland or the Americans or Sweden. And, and there's all these... Um, actually, not really Sweden that much because they haven't been in the same group, usually. Um, usually they're in separate groups. But it, it's just funny that, you know, there's so many different rivalries and different moments that you can look at with um, different countries in this tournament. And, you know, yeah, if it comes down to Canada and the U.S., uh, it will be very interesting, especially if Cole Caulfield comes up the right side and Keaton Gooley is there waiting for him. Um that 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 might be uh interesting as well. But yeah, you know, it, it's funny because, you know, the big story before this camp started was Owen Power not being left uh you know, being not being released by by University of Michigan and, you know, kind of staying uh, in in Michigan, instead of coming to Canada's camp, and now you you, you could hardly find a place for him in this lineup. Um,
1: yeah, I was going to yeah. ask. I like it, it could have actually hurt his draft status rather right. if he was like if he was at the pre-camp or something and it, either that he was going to get cut because this is still a very strong blue line or that he in fact would be, you know, he he would be uh, included in the final roster but would get very limited minutes because, mm-hmm. I mean, how would he crack the top, like, the top six blue line? I, I don't know how he would do that. So, yeah, yeah like I think it was <laughs> the better solution for a power if he wants to be, uh, you know, potentially the first overall pick. Yeah, for sure. and And, and
0: that's the key, you know, even last year with Mercer, right? Mercer was like a top, considered a top ten pick yeah. um, before the draft, and you mentioned Byfield as well, threatening Lafreniere. There was a, there was an actual debate at the time uh, of which player was going to be taken first, and Lafreniere opened the gap, and I think Mercer got hurt a little bit by that tournament um, and, and dropped out of the top fifteen. Um, and and even in the draft, you top dropped out of the top fifteen. So um, it's interesting. Obviously, there's there's other aspects to that I don't think it's just that tournament, but it does skew perception because you're starting to compare these guys one to one, as opposed to you know oh the QMJHL or the SHL or the you know the the Czech League or the Finnish League. You know, there's so many different aspects that go into draft evaluation, and I think that what makes this tournament so front and center is not only the attention but also the the competition between the two, the, the players, one-on-one. And, yeah. uh, you know, I, I always love this tournament. It's always fun. And it, it'll be really interesting because of of this Canada-USA um, potential matchup. And, you know, I think both teams are very strong. And the tournament's more fun when there's a lot of good teams. And, and I think that there's a lot of up, things up in the air. Uh, like you said, it's probably Canada's tournament to lose. Yeah. But... You know we've seen Canada lose tournaments that are than theirs to lose, uh, especially the World Juniors. So, but I I think this team is really we haven't even mentioned you know Jack Quinn or Kirby Doc, you know they they cut Seth Jarvis, <laughs> yeah. as well right. So it's it's one of those teams where it's just un, uh, unbelievable uh, talent, and it'll be interesting to see who becomes the the star because, you know you look at the last you know two World Juniors that Canada has won, and they were both scored late goals in the third period by players who hadn't scored in the tournament prior to that point. Tyler Steenbergen against Sweden, uh, Akil Thomas against Russia. And yep. you know there's, there's always going to be the Lafreniere, and that's probably going to be Kirby Dock at this point, but there's always going to be room for somebody that we're not expecting to to emerge. And we weren't expecting Tim Stutzel to, to have the tournament he did last year, um, which, which definitely put him into that top-three conversation. You know, he was he was probably top ten, top five before that. Um, he went right to the top three, and like you said, there's not really much aspect to that this time. But I think that it's it's gonna it's always fun to see these prospects play against each other, especially because so many of them have not been playing, uh, especially from a North American perspective.
1: Yeah, and I think that is what, you know, someone like Matty Beniers, who is projected to be a top 10 pick, I I think that he has a lot to win from playing in this tournament, especially since there is, you know, quite a bit of strength on the American forward side. And he he will get two great wingers beside him. I think that he could just, you know, rise up to that top three conversation just by playing in this tournament. Because all the other guys, Lambos and Gunther and... And power won't be here. Um, so, yeah, um, he's one to look out for if you want. To, he's actually the only draft-eligible <laughs> player on the, the American or the Canadian team. I actually yeah. draft, I, I wrote the draft-eligible article, which is out today. Um, and, yeah, it was difficult finding players to write about. <laughs> so, yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, and I think that that's what countries are, are doing, is that because there's so much you – know, you got kind of to have the two extremes, right? Because Slovakia has – three 2004 born players in their camp so what you're seeing is that you're seeing players either you know and obviously you know countries like slovakia don't have as much depth as countries like u.s and canada that's let's just clear that out right away so where you know canada and u.s don't have to rely on draft eligible players they have plenty of players who are not draft eligible um that that are able to be on this roster uh and so they don't have to rely on and like you mentioned, there's not that one superstar. There's no Alexi Lafreniere. There's no Byfield. There's no guy that you go, you can go to, um, except for Beniers, really, that mm-hmm. that sticks out as as a top talent in his draft. Uh, and yeah, it's it's a little bit, it's that no, not not a little bit. It's definitely um, less top heavy um, mm-hmm. than than previous years. Um, you know how that turns out in a couple of years, who knows? Uh, and maybe we are talking about Matty Beniers as being one of those top prospects after his tournament. Who knows? Yep. You know, if you can play with Cole Caulfield for a few games, um, you know, who knows what's going to happen. Um, but yeah, it's going to be interesting. Uh, I hope we, I we hope, we hope you enjoyed uh, these, these previews, uh, podcast previews uh, leading up to the World Juniors. The tournament gets under underway Christmas Day. There are still some pre-tournament games uh, on Wednesday um that are to be played uh but the tournament comes gets underway on christmas day with three games per day uh and it's going to be a lot of fun
1: yeah well for sure it's uh one of the highlights of the hockey year it really is it's so much more fun than the regular world championships
0: especially because there's not no other hockey going on Normally there is a lot of hockey going on, and now there's there's really nothing, uh, besides this. So, um, all eyes will be on this tournament. All the hot takes will surely flow uh, because of that. Um, Anton, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you all for listening. Happy holidays, happy new year, and we'll see you next time on Happy.